0: Hi, I'm Richard McKay, and I'm Derry Bolt, and you are listening to The Wrong Buyers Podcast. And on today's show, we have Ireland team manager and high-performance manager, Neil Booth. Neil is on the show talking about a charity event that he has created himself. It revolves around him visiting Bolt's clubs in Ireland, how that's going, what made him do it, where he's at at the moment with regards to how much money he's raised, etc., Um, He also has a bit of discussion about Irish Bowls in general. And during the conversation, we have a little bit of a chat about the Ronnie O'Sullivan interview. And is it similar in Bowls? Also on the show, Richie's managed to delve a little bit of information. And he's actually going to have a roundup this week, which is nice to have him back. And we've also got our usual competition, sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports.
1: Right, mate, here we are. Show number 21. East, of the door, look. East the door, mate. I don't have to ring the bell to get home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be allowed in the house. I say, Balls England have started a campaign with...
0: Let's roll, bring a family or friend to play balls. You know, at a perfect time, a lot of the clubs that I'm currently working with, we've seen a lot of recruitment happening. Yeah. And it, it sort of backs up what I, what I said at the very start of COVID, where I, we're going to have a window of opportunity where people would crave activity and it, and it appears to be coming to fruition. For those who have, you know, opened back up again, one of my clubs, I think, 12. New members. Another one's got eleven. And, oh, great. You know, so obviously, there's you know there's the concern about are some of the existing members going to return with the the fear etc. But you know from from what I've seen so far, this whole situation now it's it's a case of you just you've just got to make your own mind up and go with it. And everything is in place now. It's quite funny because uh, I was just talking about this the other day. There just seems to be a the older generation. It either seems to be one side or the other. It's either a case of, "Hey man, I'm 80, 90 year old man. I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about catching catching." Some Something now. I'm going out. I'm balls, whether you like it or not. And then the other, who were a little bit funny, but obviously concerning as well. Uh.
1: Where's your mask? Yeah. Where's your sanitizer? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get
0: Get you me on, i just give you a blooming on man. we me on, uh, <laughs> You might
1: not, eh? <laughs> it, it just shows how the world's changed, mate. I went to the bank the other day. Years ago, if you went in a bank with a mask on, you'd be a, be a, a SWAT team outside. Now there's a SWAT team outside if you haven't got the mask.
0: Sure, I saw three, four-year-olds getting served at the bar the other day with these masks on. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, yeah i popped through to our you know through to sales uh during the week uh-huh. uh you know fantastic job they have done over there um you know i'll not name anybody in particular it's uh, it's been a, a joint effort by a, a few people within the club the sanitizing units behind every rink one-way systems in place they've done a lot of work just to you know put things in place and it's credit to everybody out there who runs these clubs and and are, and are working hard to make sure that we can get back to balls and is it going to be as bad as we thought indoors no. I genuinely don't think it's going to be
1: here's a question for you if you had to wear a mask for two hours to play a game of balls would you, would you play it
0: no as far as I'm concerned people think that this sport is you know just a casual walk and you're up and down sorry but wearing a mask covering your mouth whilst you're doing physical exercise bending up and down regardless of whether you've got fresh air coming through the building the, the heat in those buildings is, is bad When you haven't got a mask on, so I I just don't see how it can be feasible. To be honest with you, and I know nothing about regulations. I didn't know anything about guidelines. This is purely my perspective on it, and I just don't just don't see how you you know play balls without risking exhaustion and you know things like that. You know, your breathing's got to be affected, all kinds of stuff. I
1: mean, it, it, it doesn't fill me with two hours of enjoyment, I must admit. If I had to wear a mask, I just wouldn't. I think it'll be another, it'll be an indoor season of not playing. doesn't fill us with any 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 thrill to wear a mask for two hours, mate.
0: No, and it's thankfully it's not mandatory at the minute. It will become part of the norm. Aye. But you're not telling me we're going to see Roger Federer and Nadal standing either side of a tennis court with a mask on, are we? It's just not going to happen. I, I genuinely can't see it happening. If I do, I, I agree with you, I'll not be doing it.
1: Uh, I, think it I think it's more indoors, isn't it, where the, the masks is sort of, you, the indoor centre and what have you, the build-up of, of people in it. Can you see team competitions going indoors?
0: I can, actually, yeah. I mean, obviously, following our conversation with Peter, there was obviously a lot of discussion there about where the recommendations were um, with regards to, to leagues, etc., which was triples, early doors, singles, pairs will potentially get played again. I'm, I'm speaking completely potentially out of turn. I know nothing about what's going to happen, but yeah. I would have thought that if there's going to be any focus, it will be singles and pairs initially, then feed into the new year. And I was just talking again to somebody the other day when we were talking about the Denny, I think it was Ian, while I was at South Shields. And I said, how long do we wait in between quarterfinals, the Denny to then clear the Denny in semi-final oh. on, on the same day? Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I'll, I'll be amazed if that type of thing could happen. But there's a massive period of time there which could fit all of these team competitions into as well. Yeah. You only play about three Liberty games in a season, don't you? Three, four oh, maximum? It's a uh,
1: straight knockout, you
0: know, I think I think the common-sense approach potentially would be, let's wait... And, Play those team games in the new year. Yeah, just make sure everything's settled down and everybody's back to understanding the guidelines and back to some sort of normality, and then crack on in the new year. And I'm sure that we have been able to, to fix the calendar where we can get all of those games in. I'd be I'd be more than happy playing a Denny on a Saturday and a Sunday if it need be.
1: Yeah, well, it's... yeah, without a doubt, mate. With a mask on, and an oxygen bottle on your back. All right, <laughs> <Aye. Aye. laughs> <Aye. Aye. laughs> definitely. I am forward to that. Catch up with Islands Neil Booth.
0: And on today's dear show, we're welcoming Neil Booth, the Island manager, and we're welcoming Neil today. Neil's actually—he's um, in the middle of a, a quite a big uh, charity event at the moment, so we've got Neil on to discuss that and find out what it's all about. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast, Neil. No, it's a pleasure. So, the nail house—things going? What's, um, tell us all about it. What um, what made you come up with the idea and where are you, where are we at at the moment?
2: Okay, this is something. I'd actually thought briefly about this a couple of years ago and then decided just to park it. And once uh, COVID and the lockdown kind of started, it got me thinking a wee bit about mental health issues and how people were going to struggle during the three or four months uh, of lockdown. At that stage, it was probably starting to annoy the wife as well. So <laughs> she was looking me out of the house, so... Uh, <laughs> i just come up with the idea, really, of travelling around. I initially, had, I'd written down 100 clubs, with just over 100 clubs in Ireland, trying to get around them, and I realised that physically I probably couldn't do that. I'm struggling enough on the, on the 52 leg, like, So I thought, I'm only fit for three ends of bowls these days, so I'll just play three ends, no trials, straight in, and I'll go round all the clubs. I was literally hoping just to raise a few hundred pounds for a couple of charities. By the time you started contacting people, Sort of bought into the whole idea. I think when I was counting last night, we're up to 10,000, just over 10,000. Fantastic. Week off it. So it's went really, really well. The two charities that we're raising money for, as you know, Ireland complicated north and south of Ireland. So I had to get a charity in in the north and one in the south. So the one in the north is Mindwise and the one down south is Pieta House. So we're just splitting the money 50 50 between the the two charities and fantastic. Some of the clubs have been it's been re- just ridiculous the hospitality and generosity. the f- A lot of the games were videoed down in Dublin over the weekend there, so good exposure for the game, good exposure for the charities as well.
0: Fantastic. So are the are the clubs actually um are they doing a, a, an individual type event? Uh, as who's going to take you on, or are they just nominating people, or what's yeah. the what's the criteria? Uh,
2: I, I try to split it up into five different categories. So obviously male. Players, female players, and then we set up regional academies last year, so I wanted a number of those to play against us. Uh, some squad players, just so I could keep an eye on them, see how they're getting on. And the veterans as well, because I knew it would be slowing down towards the end of it. I'll get a few <laughs> so uh, I left it up to clubs, really, what way they wanted to do it. So uh, some of them had a wee competition or a wee draw just to see who would play. But I that some of the clubs, you know, there was people just throwing down £20 looking to challenge me. And a an 84 year old actually down in Newcastle Bowling Club come by and said, uh, Here's £20, I want to take you on. And he says, Just kind of lucky my 96 year old friend isn't here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, how many did he beat you by now? <laughs> uh,
2: quite a few. Quite a
1: few.
0: Very competitive.
1: <laughs> I bet he chucked long ends of all day. I bet it was three long ends he chucked up for you now. <laughs>
2: oh, here. Oh, yeah. It's been uh, quite fun. It's been quite <laughs> interesting, so it has, let's just say.
0: How's the um, how's the, obviously the greens been? Because no doubt there hasn't been a great deal of balls on it and obviously it takes a little bit of running in, as we know. During the season, have they been uh, up to a decent standard or have there been some that quite heavy due to not being played on? That,
2: that's one of the surprising things. The greens have been absolutely excellent. I mean, you, got, you could probably count in one hand that maybe four or five greens that have been a wee bit heavy because they've always been a wee bit heavy, but uh, most of them are playing really, really well. They all look a picture, obviously, because they're having too much traffic on them. And That's it, yeah. Certainly down in Dublin, there's a lot of artificial greens as well. Or as the IBA president said to me, there's no such thing as an artificial green as a synthetic green, so <laughs> I better keep myself right in case he listens. <laughs>
0: So, where are you up to at the moment, then now? What? Um, how many clubs have you completed so far?
2: I think it's forty-one at the minute, so another eleven to go. So, I decided back at the start if I was spending four nights down in Dublin, knowing the hospitality, uh, it's best to take the day off when I come back. So, <laughs> that was today. So, uh, back into the uh, I mean, Irish bowls is split into like four associations, uh, just like four counties really. One of them's down in the south of Ireland, and three up in the north. So, I've been doing them each in their own wee block. So. It's my own association that we finish off with. So uh, that'll be over Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then that's me finished. So, how
0: many
1: clubs a day do you do, Neil?
2: Uh, On average, about five. But, you know, there was a couple of days where I think we played seven, I think it was. Right.
0: Have you been lucky with how the weather's fallen as well, Neil? Or have you had any soakings?
2: No, I think one day it it, it poured all day. But luckily enough, the the five games I played that day, unbelievably, the rain stopped for the (laughs) 10 minutes that we. We played, and the rest of the time was uh, it's been super, and it's to be good again the rest of the week. So that's a miracle in itself to get <laughs> two weeks of dry weather in,
1: in, in Ireland. Fantastic. So, so what's your win record at the minute, then Neil? After about four days,
2: I think I was down about fifteen percent, but I think <laughs> I've aged it up a wee bit. Man, I'm starting to remember what to do. Have mean, they've
0: tonight, Neil. You're supposed to be setting an example, yeah? Uh, ah, it's up to about eighteen
2: percent, I think. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: So... Obviously, as part of your travels, I know I know three ends is never going to um, sort of show any you know huge talent in any shape or form. But have you met anybody on your travels who you maybe didn't know and were quite impressed with um, any younger bowlers? Yeah, I've played,
2: I've, I've played a few here, probably just in the fringes of uh, getting on to under twenty-five association teams and international teams, and they're all obviously trying their best to play well against you, you know, just to sort of set down a marker. So it's it's good to catch up with a lot of the. Squad players as well, and sit there and get a chat with them. And, uh, but it has been fairly lighthearted, so it has so fairly relaxed sort of trip.
0: No, that's brilliant. It's great. I mean, it's like I said, a- an ideal scenario, especially with the, you know with the way things are. Um, you- you've hit the nail on the head. It's keeping balls in the you know in the window, yeah. and it's it's raising some fantastic money for charity as well. So you know, massive massive credit for what you're doing, Neil. And um, I'm sure everybody in the the two charities in Ireland are-, are extremely happy and and over the moon with all of your efforts. Um, really great job. Yeah, we did have
2: a a couple of the guys, Ollie O'Brien and uh, Shea Turrell, who's one of the international selectors They drove me about over the last four days in Dublin. Otherwise, it would have got lost. But we did sit and discuss Say about these things are brilliant when they last for a couple of weeks and then they can obviously die down after that happens. So we are talking about trying to set some sort of legacy up from this and try and make it an annual event or try and tie in with the charity so that people can flick into the website and see where they can get help, you know, because at the end of the day, that's the, That's the key thing. It's nice to raise a profile of the sport, but as I said, in many clubs, you know the money that's getting raised here probably save somebody's life somewhere
0: so that is the most important. Fantastic. Just something you mentioned earlier on as well which um, we had Stephen Beamish on the show and they're set up an academy at the moment so I heard you said that you were saying there's a there's a few academies set up in Ireland. Are you starting to see the benefits of that? Are they, are they proven popular?
2: Yeah they are. We had uh, set up eight, seven in the north and, and uh, one down south last year. The unfortunate thing is obviously with COVID we've lost a wee bit of momentum this year with uh, with obviously missing most of the year. Even down in Dublin there they had a wee bit of a fun day socially distanced of course but the number of kids that were out in the green as well who are coming down they're practising their own wee drills and so on as well now that, that, that have been handed down through the academy so it's definitely starting to take off and it will take a while it's not something that's going to happen overnight and people have to sort of you know just stick with it you know and and. and it, a five-year-old isn't going to be making teams for the next ten years but it's really just buying into that and starting that pathway and that conveyor belt from
0: an early age making it fun as well obviously Absolutely so so what is sort of your blueprint of the academies then um, Neil is it are you are you looking to introduce young new bowlers or is it a case of bringing new young bowlers into it also keeping some of your talented let's say teenagers is there a plan for them and then is the the fringes of your under 25s and international teams is, is it separate programs that you've got it
2: is indeed yeah we have uh, three tiers in it so the first tier obviously for the very young kids who are coming through and the guys that are looking after the academies for me have been so innovative they're setting up they're, they're building me devices and machines that when you hit a target it's spitting sweets out of the kids you know and things <laughs> like that so really really good to get them in and we've got the wee scoring ramps and so on we have a tier of people who are actually playing the game a wee bit older so they want to try and get the basics of it and then we have our tier for the people really who are either on under 25 teams or challenging for under 25 teams I think it's important to have those sort of star names in the academy as well because it does give the kids something to aim to but they'll all play at the same time and they'll they'll see the wee pathway they can take through each academy as well
0: Absolutely With regards to the island team is it a, is it a big frustration for you from the outdoor perspective obviously fantastic work what you did last year obviously winning the series i was up there and and we we took three batterings and and it was you know it was a fantastic game to watch that one against scotland in the last game and you know regardless this is not taking anything away from scotland but it was actually it was actually fantastic i think for the series to see ireland actually win that because you know it just it just makes the the melting pot bigger year on year that it's not just like we see seeing indoors it's one or the other who tend to win it was it a bit frustrating that obviously you couldn't potentially push on and, and try and defend that this year.
2: Absolutely. I suppose on, on one side of the coin it means we're champions for two years, but it would certainly be better to be out there trying to defend it. You know, you build a wee bit of momentum, you get a wee bit of a head of steam up, you know, and I'm sure the guys would have been really looking forward to getting out there. I think a way back probably our fifth or sixth title in probably 20 years. We went an awful long time without winning it and then we had a wee golden spell uh, probably early 2000s. 2010, we probably won it three or four times and we sort of fallen away again a wee bit. You saw last year yourself, Dale. I mean, a really good team sport within the team and uh, yeah, it was disappointing just not to be able to keep that momentum going. So I think what you part. had
0: last year, Neil, was what England have carried over the last, I think it was four years off the bounce, we won it. We... <laughs> We've got a great team, you know, without without a doubt, England's got a, a massive bunch of top players to pick from. But I genuinely believe that we, we potentially won a couple of those championships through pure team morale, fighting for each other, etc., etc. And that was blatantly missing last year for, for whatever reason. No idea. To have gone on the roll of what we had, we were unlucky to lose a couple of players prior to the series due to, you know, one thing or another. But we were extremely flat. And you're exactly right, what I saw in the Irish team. Was what we lacked and what we've had previously, and it's it's not easy to come by that. Neil, and you know yourself, it takes a lot of build, and once you lose it, it's quite hard to sometimes get it back.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, your side, England. I mean, over that two or three years, were absolutely magnificent. It was the best I've seen from England for quite a number of years. You know, so it did come as a little bit of a shock last year, probably to ourselves watching on. You know, but uh, I think on their day, any of the four teams now are capable of challenging outdoor, which is which is a good thing, uh, as you say. Indoor, it's probably the big two and probably more so England now, probably dominating. So it is good to have a competitive series and shared uh, share it around a wee bit. Not that we wouldn't take well enough for the next three or four years ourselves, but I think it's good to have it competitive.
0: It is, and it won't have to wonders for your academies as well, because you know, when you've got success it's easier to bring people into success than it is to bring people into failure in a lot of respects. A team that isn't performing well and morale's down because it's so hard, I think, to try and then fit some of those players into the setup because it's tough to who do you put them with? Who are you going to upset by leaving out? Do you make wholesale changes and try and make a you know a huge change to the overall team or you do it in dribs and drops so I think I think like I say on a lot of bases what you did last year can only be a massive thing for outdoor balls in Ireland
2: yeah absolutely I mean ours is probably a slightly different situation from the other home countries as well and that probably a smaller pool of players they're all very very familiar with one another they've all either played against each other on a regular basis or a lot of the times with each other on a regular basis. So that does give us a bit of an advantage, I think, as far as Spurs concerned. Still would be nice to pick from a couple of hundred. <laughs> it would make it quite difficult, I'm sure. Probably kick a wee bit above her uh, above her weight. So hopefully long may that continue.
0: I suppose a lot of respects, Neil you know, you look at the, the rugby union and, and I've no doubt they're in a very similar position with regards to a talent pool. But I suppose there's there's a couple of ways of looking at it. Sometimes yes it's nice to have X amount of people who you can choose from who've all got talent. So Sometimes that can have its own downfalls because you've got to somehow then keep so many people happy, keep the balance of the team right, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if you've got a team now where you've just won a series and you can keep that spirit and make the odd changes here and there just to strengthen, then, you know, there could be a lot of benefits from that as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tight net's good. I mean, even going away to World Championships, Commonwealth Games, you know, the guys are all so, so close and that's a. I think that's a real advantage. I think it's even for the four home companies. I think it's a you know, there's a, I think there's always a good team sport when you travel away, you know, and uh, that's something I suppose we try and build into the teams. So
1: are Fantastic. you? Just uh, National manager for outdoors, Neil. Or do you are you indoors as well?
2: I'm. Uh, it's it's quite complicated. I'm international manager outdoor, but I'm high performance coach for the Irish Bulls Federation, which is really over indoor and outdoor. Although there is an indoor manager, obviously Clifford Craig is indoor manager and and, and doing a good job. I would I wouldn't say oversee it, but I would maybe work alongside or just to the side of Clifford without actually interfering, but just in there to help a few players along the way so it's generally outdoor I mean the way our funding's set up it's more geared towards success and outdoor bowls so you know the majority of the time would be spent outdoor yeah and there'll be more from Neil in 300
1: seconds and now it's time to get the party poppers at the ready as Richie's roundup makes a return Cue the music. Sadly, Covid-19 continues to disrupt the game. The open Singles circuit have cancelled November's Grand Finals weekend at Potters. The aim, however, is to try and play the remaining eight tournaments from last season to complete the ranking list so the top 32 can be finalised for the 2021 event. News from down under, as the planned Ultimate Balls Week extravaganza has been cancelled. With Melbourne currently suffering a second wave and a new travel restrictions for international players, organisers had no choice but to cancel, and it is hoped to be rearranged in 2021. And news from New Zealand, Bulls New Zealand has streamlined its national squads. Following a review of its elite programme, the High Performance and Talent Development squads, which previously totalled more than 40 players, have been significantly reduced due to a decrease in high performance investment as a direct result of the COVID 19 pandemic. In their place, a 13 strong blackjack squad has been named alongside six emerging players in preparation for the 2021 World Bowls Championships on the Gold Coast and with an eye to the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Speaking of blackjacks, has anyone got any fruit salads? That's a joke for the kids. Staying with the World Championships, the World Balls have confirmed a new date for the event on the Gold Coast. The original date was May 26th to June the 7th, then it was moved to 2021, and now it's been moved to September the 7th to 19th 2021, and the World Balls Tour has also taken a hit as they have made the very hard and difficult decision to cancel the 2020 Scottish International Open it is hoped to restart the event sometime in 2021. And the Short Mat balls also has a cancellation. The 2020 Top Team Championship due to be held in England in October and the British Islands Championships due to be held in Wigan in November have both been cancelled. Provisionally they have been earmarked for the same months but in 2021. Well it's not all doom and gloom though. Good news for the York based New Eastwick Indoor Bones Club as they have landed a three-year sponsorship deal with Porter Cabin. The sponsorship will cover the club shirts and equipment for a three-year deal. Now some clubs have been successful and some not and some probably didn't even bother applying to the Sport England's Community Emergency Fund. One success story saw Old Basing Bowls Club based in Basingstoke being awarded £2,000 to help make up for the loss of income suffered throughout May and June due to the COVID pandemic. The grant will allow the club to continue improving the facilities in the clubhouse and the bowling grain itself. Ten sports clubs are sharing a £16,000 cash windfall, thanks to the once thriving Lincolnshire-based Donington Bowls Club. Sadly, dwindling membership saw the club close last year after 110 years, but officials have sportingly given other clubs a helping hand. Donations of £3,000 each went to three local sports clubs, while seven local Bowls clubs each received a donation of £1,000. That calls for a round of applause. And finally, Hartlepool are planning to run a singles competition on Sunday the 30th of August. The event would follow the same format as the open singles circuit. Entry is £10 English and can be made via the club or contact Carl Higgins. And now it's time to return to All Things Island with Neil Booth.
0: So Mr. Ross Sullivan? during the week on the snooker I don't know if you saw his interview yes I did Yeah, it was very <laughs> straight to the point and he made his he made his point of view which he, he tends to do and he's you know best player that's probably ever picked up a snooker queue talent wise and he, he made that little criticism of how he feels that the younger players aren't you know they're not pushing the likes of him Higgins Mark Williams and that's why they are still there since 1992 and still competing in the last stages of the world championships now it, it sort of ran a Sort of a something in the back of my mind of something Stewie Harry talked about when he was on Outcast, and he, he sort of said that he feels that potentially seen the best of balls in, in with regards to some of the talent and some of the the balls that were played, you know, back in the Brian Allcock eras and Corkies and you know yourself and moving forward. What what's your thoughts on that with regards to the the junior game in balls and not trying to be uh, certainly not as you know cutting as what Ronnie. is but I was thinking about it and you, you know you still see a lot of the bowlers that's been kicking around for 30, 35 years are still managing to turn in these national titles and there's a lot of young talented kids out there just don't seem to be able to match those heights of what some of those players are do you feel he's got sort of a, a point with regards to a lot of sports including our own?
2: Certainly as far Snigger's concerned I mean the fact that those guys are still getting to the back end of World Championships proves they're still the best probably something that a lot of people thought but maybe, maybe he shouldn't have said it just the way he did but I find with a lot of things like this it's very easy to look back and reminisce and always think that things were fantastic back in the day and I had a, I had a squad session down with our emerging squad a couple of weeks ago I couldn't believe how, how well they all played and I thought we're in really really safe hands here uh, do you think it's? I think there's kids nowadays. I suppose young people coming through. There's so many choices, so many other, other things to do. Back in the day, a bowler was a bowler, maybe, and that's all they did. It's gonna. I don't, don't mean this to sound sexist at all, but uh, a lot of our old boys in the club would have went and played bowls where the wives stayed at home and brought up the families and so on. You know, and that's the way it was, and it is different nowadays. But I still think the talent's out there. I still think maybe not coming through at the same volume as it did back in the day. But I do think it's easy to, as I say, reminisce back and think it was better back in the day, and I, I don't necessarily think don't necessarily think that's always true
0: yeah, yeah you've sort of backed up uh, my thoughts on the situation were that you've hit the nail on the head things are completely different for kids now I mean you know you, you, you mentioned in there about how the, the men would go down while the women were in the house etc we hear so many of those snooker players Jimmy White etc who used to skip school and go, and go and play in the snooker halls while they should have been at school that can't happen now because that you know no kid could disappear from school and go and practice balls or go and practice yeah. snooker because your authorities would be on the case it's a lot more you know stricter than what it used to be and you know listening to the conversation I think there was two ways I looked at it was is is Ronnie making a point to try and potentially get a rise out of some of these young players to say well you know have a look at themselves and say well why are we not reaching that pinnacle do I need to do something different so I I didn't mind his comment because at the end of the day if you can't say say how you feel then what's the point if you've got an opinion about something say it and he tends to just say it the way it is but then listening obviously to your other professionals john Parrott and steve davis while they were um sitting in the sort of discussion room and they were saying that they feel that there is a massive pool of talent there now which is probably stronger than what it was years ago there was probably a handful of people when you think back we're, we're talking snooker here Stephen henry steve davis dominated snooker for so long because the professional attitude at that time probably wasn't the same as what it is now, but I, I sort of look at it and think the same as a lot of our younger bowlers in bowls. I think a lot of them are too quick to want to jump to the, you know, our class at the apprenticeship. We've talked about this in the past. They don't want to learn the game before they get up there and play the glory shots, which I think is an issue. And the second part is I just don't think some of them have learned how to actually get over the line and win games. And I think that's possibly the same in snooker. But I do think there's too many of the young guys and girls tend to want to be superstars before they've learned how to get there yeah the game now is set up
2: I mean even if you look at down in Australia now I mean in Australia probably the average age of the squad down there is fairly young it's probably in it's mid 20s now and uh, it seems to be instant success now that People are looking for, you know, as you say, if, if things don't happen after three years, move on to the next sort of group of, group of players. I mean, I tried to talk to a lot of our young lads who maybe start off at Leeds and they said, so try and get through to them that uh, Leeds is a specialist position. Stick there for a few years, learn your trade and you'll get a chance. But I look back, funny, if we were talking about it down in Dublin at the weekend and we'll, we were talking about an Irish team that was picked probably mid-90s, maybe a wee bit before that. And out of the 24 players on it, 23 skipped for their uh, respective clubs. So it was just, you know, the best players thrown in to the team and all sort of group together where I'm trying to get through to the guys if you want to be a lead learn to be a lead you know you're not going to it's not about trying to rush up the rink or as you say play all the rash shots play all the silly shots just if you want to be a lead go out and draw and do the drills for a lead if you want to be a second you adapt to play as a second and, and, and come the best second you can be and, and the same at third same at skip and I uh, tried my best as well over the last year to throw a lot of the young ones into the pressure situations take them away and as you say just show them the highs and the lows and Maybe losing big games and winning big games, and until you get through all that stage of things, it's very difficult to become sort of complete as a player. It is, and
0: it's a really fine line now because obviously younger players, it's so hard to to keep keep the reins on them in, in a lot of respects. But for me, for me, when you lead off for that period of time, not only does it learn or teach you how to obviously draw to the jack on a you know on a regular basis and, and gain consistency. I think it also really raises your patience level across a game because just relating to back. To that snook where I said where some players you see them take on a rash shot off the back of missing or, or losing position on another it's very similar in our game now and we you know we still I see it a lot with a lot of the younger players they'll drop a five and the the instinct is let's try and get that five back or better off a six or better off a seven instead of thinking let's just get those back over the next two or three ends and get back into that game and, and negate that five that we've just lost they want to do it yesterday and it's a, and it's a youth thing you know I was there myself Richie remembers game 43, 42 after 21 ends, just ridiculous. Shots left, right and centre. But you start to learn, and and I think that relates to what potentially Ronnie's comment was all about. I think a lot of these snooker players just need to learn how to battle through a game and do the right things at the right time, which then helps you to get over the line and win those championships.
2: Yeah, Uh, Absolutely. I mean, One of my favourite phrases after somebody loses a count is just, just two twos. You get two twos, the next two ends you're suddenly four shots back and that's supposed to be Count. I suppose most sort of your kind of scrape back as such so I mean like, there's loads of different ways of doing it isn't there it's like breaking it down into wee small sections all the usual things you, you get through all the different options with the players one of the great analogies for uh, we were at a sports psychologist a way back before one of the Commonwealth Games and he talked about Tiger Woods and he said Tiger Woods after he hits a bad drive you watch him walking up the fairway and he's well it's back then obviously cursing and swearing and shouting at the caddy and getting rid of everything but he used to draw an imaginary line in the fairway so he used to let all his emotion out curse swearing, whatever once he crossed that imaginary line in the furway, that was it gone and he gets on to the next shot and I've told our guys if you ever see our guys with their head in a bowling bag they're probably doing the Tiger Woods scenario just in <laughs> <bay>. <laughs> yeah. the Lord and swearing. <laughs> Uh, so there's different wee ways you can sort of look at it and, and, and try and help players. So it is, and,
0: and this is where your academies fall in perfect nail because these are the type of things that you can start to, you know, teach from an early age and try and, you know, you've got some great players in Ireland. I've no doubt will pass on their experience, and, and you will get those two or three diamonds that cut through, and without a shadow of a doubt, will will make the name in the under 25 level and then make that progression. You know, one one who I think about who, who I literally grew up with from your from Ireland was was Andy Carr who's just obviously you know he was he was in the senior team while he was in the under 25s and he's just been a you know a linchpin ever since part of that island team
2: Yeah we've got we've a good squad of players now with uh, maybe 10 years ago 15 years ago with maybe only had 7 or 8 realistic contenders for the major games and now it's, uh, it's an absolute heartache to actually sit down and try and pick a five man team and say you know we could, there's probably 15 players we could take away and it, it, it wouldn't weaken us whatsoever so I mean I'm pretty happy the way we are at the minute you know so
0: Fantastic! I was going to say that's exa- for all it's hard. It's exactly what you want at the same time, yes. isn't it? What was your thoughts on that, Richie? Which um, that that Ronnie O'Sullivan outburst
1: I think the the younger players they don't know what they're playing for. At times, I get the feeling they sort of, like they'll, they'll go on. I mean, you look you, the two are probably have probably seen yourselves in it. You'll, you'll watch a county tie four young lads will go on against four club players. The, and the four young lads will just have a bit of laugh and carry it on, and the four club players will turn them over. And I, I, I think it's just once they, they get. over over the line, they'll realize, oh, I want a bit more, I want a bit more. But until they get over that line, it's so like, oh, well, it's just a competition.
0: Yeah. It's. Uh... The one thing that really frustrates me is the first the first conversation that you see so many younger players have is, where's the nearest pub when you get down to the national finals and say, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm all for having a drink, but <laughs> I still still kind of get why you would slug your backside over, all, all season to get somewhere, potentially win a national title and then just get down there and, and want to get in the nearest pub and, and wake up at two o'clock the next morning trying to prepare for a game at eight it's, or, or nine o'clock. It's um, just one of those. And unfortunately, I think in our sport, you know, there's sympathy there because we're not we're not high paid footballers or golfers or tennis players you make balls you make balls but what you make it um and and I'm sure you've seen yourself Neil, you start I think we had this similar discussion with Paul Foster you start to see those who shine the ones who you know will actually make it and those who won't They might have all the talent in the world but you can spot them straight away and you, you'll know that unless that, that little bit of attitude or a little bit of you know carefree attitude disappears then they'll they'll just blend into the rest and those who really you or knuckle down want to play for the country they started they're the ones who start to win the titles yeah
2: exactly there's a there's an awful lot of people with the technical ability to, to play at a very high level but it's all the other it's all the other sides of the game you know what to do i call it on the day delivery you know what to do sort of the night before a match the morning of a match immediately after a match you know psychologically what goes on in their head you know physically how they prepare as you said it's an amateur sport still for us but i think if you want to stand out from the rest with only one short career you might only get two or three chances of becoming a world champion
0: or commonwealth champions so much to achieve Neil I mean you know you can travel the world <laughs> you yeah. know regardless of it being an amateur sport you mm-hmm. can you can travel to countries that you may never ever get to in your lifetime you know whether it's through cost or, or whatever it may be and there are opportunities there for, so for all, for all we're not you know bowlers aren't driving around in Ferraris and living in multi-million mansions there is still some fantastic life opportunities there for those who really you know put themselves away and really want to make something out of the sport
2: And haven't been I mean I've Obviously, uh retired, I think, 2014. And whilst I've really enjoyed the, the managerial side of things, it's probably the closest thing to play in. There's no buzz like winning a major title. There's definitely no buzz standing with a medal around your neck. It's, it's still the greatest feeling in the sport. Uh, and I think more players should appreciate that when they're actually in that position. Uh, some of them take it a wee bit for granted. and you, you can see the ones that really do care about it and really want it grab every last day. It's of courage and ace of ability
1: out of themselves. Do you not think that's why, going back to our earlier conversation, you, you see the same people, qualifying for national championships because they've done it they appreciate what it what they're playing for
2: yeah i mean it, that is a good point you, you do get the people who are they just have all the four or five different facets that make up the great players they've got all those different facets and, and when you add them all together it's very very difficult to beat them you might lose to somebody who's just technically brilliant on a on a given day but as you say getting down to the nearest pub afterwards and, and, and really wise <laughs> it for themselves and their their teammates as well
0: I think you hit the nail on the head Neil I think Ronnie's just turned around and said what a lot of people actually think but are scared to do or say anything about
2: and the same boy is not afraid to say what he thinks either Ronnie Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So just the, the last thing from me, Neil, with with regards to COVID, obviously you'll have seen a few of your players. Are you, are you worried in any shape or form that this gap in, you know, being able to play balls is going to have any effect on any of your players? Or have, have any of them put anything in place to just keep things ticking over or are they just using it as a bit of a break?
2: It varies from player to player. I've had a, I've had a chat with uh, all of the players in the squads and, you know, at the end of the day, during a situation like this, it, it is going to be up to individuals. If they don't feel comfortable going out there, I mean, you certainly aren't going to be forcing anybody out. But all the guys and all the girls have come down. We've had a couple of wee sessions just to tide them over. We've led the World Bulls team against a, a select team, and we've got our emerging squad together for a couple of weekends. We're going to pick the best five of those to play against the the World Bulls team as well, just to have something to aim for. But it'll nothing. It's nothing too strenuous, nothing too difficult this year. it Might just be a, a perfect opportunity to recharge the batteries. You know, if you ask a player to go out during a time like this with nothing really in the horizon to aim for, it's difficult to get yourself motivated. So maybe recharging the batteries is as good a thing as any of this.
0: It is. And I think it's going to be really interesting looking across the home countries as to who the ones who actually knock in the national titles when we are able to play it again. Because, you know, there's so many things that you forget about. Fitness is going to be a big part because there's a lot of those muscles that we use that people think that buzz is an easy sport. But when you go back to it after a while, it and easy. That's gonna that's gonna take its toll on on players. The control and adrenaline levels is going to be hard to get back again, and, and getting back into that competition mode. And it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see who actually comes back hitting the straps. And some of these, you know, the bowlers who were maybe at the top of the game before COVID, are they going to come back as strong as what they were? It's, it's going to be a really interesting period. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. It's uh, with nothing to compare it against. Nothing like this has ever happened before. So uh, you're talking about stamina. Three in games are killing me at the
0: on it, so I can imagine the guys in a good three and a half hour game. So. <laughs> Richie would give anything for a three-hour game now.
1: Oh, I've never had a ball in me hand since March. <laughs> I'm frightened to pick it out the bag. I do think I'll be to, I don't think I'll be able to carry it without shaking. <laughs>
0: Right, um, uh, it's just certainly been a strange one. Well, Neil, all, uh, from myself, absolutely amazing what you're doing. I think credit to Ireland. Um, you know, long may the success. You know, you have and continue. Best of luck with obviously the academies and the teams, and the, you know the high performance position that you've got. You know, you've been a you've been a fantastic player in the game, and, and obviously you know you're translating that into the management side as well. So, um, all the best. Obviously, continuing with the charity um, event. I hope that continues to you know raise raise as much money as what it possibly. can um credit to you for doing it and thanks so much for coming on. It's been a great chat.
2: That's a pleasure. Thank you, David. And
0: thank you, Richie. Cheers. No you. Thanks very much, now Okay. Cheers, mate. Take care, Matt. Bye-bye.
1: And when we have an issue with the sound, one of us is stressed. Do the ones, well, a little bit laid back. Still, my head in. <laughs> hey there. Look at that. speaker on. Oh, I am. All right, that's just come back. <laughs> i just I come, come back, back so, so I need
0: to. Yes, but with the Egwa. Can't remember. You had one on and one off.
1: No, that. i
0: No, it's still like one, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hello! Hello, hello,
1: hello. Hello,
0: Anybody there? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> And it's competition time thanks as always to Alex Marshall Sports for his support and sponsorship so the question for today is we've had Neil Booth on the show and Neil is doing a charity initiative um, and he mentioned how many clubs he was actually visiting and taking part in some three end events three end games against some of their members how many clubs is he visiting in total so all you need to do is drop us that number either by email on wrong.bias at hotmail.com contact us us on our Facebook page by leaving a comment, or you can drop us a message on Twitter. Or
1: right number twenty-one over and done with, mate. And it was good to catch up with these Booth, Irish legend. Another one. I think me and you will have to do something like that around Sunland, mate. I. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> we'll t- I'll take you back to the old route at Ballymore. <laughs> I will
0: put three ends in volleyball to tell you all. My arms trying to get through the length of that grass now, it's about four foot long. Or has it got a nest over the actually, has it? No,
1: fire your doors there, Look, Could you all like, roll these balls <laughs> down the club? Who's that rolling in the club over there? <laughs> come on get out of here your you devils and what we didn't mention was uh, Bowls England have brought out a survey I'd like to encourage everybody to go onto the Bowls England website and fill it in it takes 10 minutes and it's for Absolutely. the good of the sport and get a bit of feedback
0: it is we've always said this the surveys you know they're, they're not just there for for the sake of it and there's a lot of A lot of research and a lot of, you know, facts and figures come out of these surveys. So it's really important. Everybody has an opinion about certain things. If you want to give your opinion, that's your best place to do it. So any surveys that you see, please just jump on it and... Five minutes—it certainly is for the good of the sport.
1: If nobody replies back to them, will, will they, they don't know whether they're doing things right or whether they're doing things wrong. Really, is it? That...
0: You can bet your bottom dollar, though. Those who don't reply to it and then they do put something in place, they'll twist and watch about the it. Res-
1: the results come out. <laughs> All right. 20... All right, I can't believe they're doing this. Can't believe they're doing that. Did you fill a Serbia? No. Oh well. Twenty-five pound right. to get at the national right. championships to see Bully <laughs> in a two-ball singles lasting <laughs> thirty minutes. It's been good, man.
0: I might just put the little. Survey out there with regards to our little conversation about Mr. O'Sullivan, and just you know, just a, a question as well, to the question. Did you, did you think he was making a point, or, or what the general feeling of what his what his interview was? And I know it's not balls, it's snooker, but like I, like I said, I, I think it relates to a lot of sports. You know. Just thinking about it, there we we mentioned somebody earlier on, Federer and Nadal. How, how long have they been around? Right, Federer must be kicking on towards forty now. Surely, gotta <laughs> <laughs> be. Been around that long, and he's still banging up there at the top end of the game. How old are you? So, um,
1: <laughs> you make Roger Federer sound like an old pensioner, mate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, in in relative terms, in tennis, you would expect that the younger, fitter players Aye. would have started to sort of knock him off his perch. But they're not other. No. And no. you you look at top ballers. There's still a lot of top ballers. Uh, you know, I was we're at our sport. We can play play until we're you know uh, dropping the box. <laughs> <laughs> Which is which is one of the massive advantages of all sport. You can you can still get a competitive level at a later age, you know. But yeah. with regards to physical sports like tennis, you you wouldn't expect the likes of Federer to still be kicking around at this time now, still and on the door of winning Grand Slams. You'd expect some of these. Younger, fitter kids to come through and be dominating, wouldn't you?
1: I mean, just a quick one. In balls, you, you you start off with county county competitions. You play club level. Roger Federer is he's already in the the last thirty-two or the last sit whatever of a, a major tournament. He, he doesn't have to qualify, though, does he? From grassroots level, every every season he
0: doesn't, but he has still got to keep. his... he's still got to keep. His he's he's rising,
1: yeah. But, but going down the argument of the World bowls Tour again, which I'm sorry to mention again, is is the, the rank where he can probably win one or two games and, and he'll, he'll keep be selling in the, in the top 32 or whatever it is, won't he?
0: I, I think, obviously, the massive difference there is there's so many more events which, basically, they can enter. And I think a lot of it on their basis is if you've, if you've won or got a lot of stages of a tournament the year before, you've got to either match that or, or get to a similar position to pick points up. I'm sure there's something along those lines right. where you've really got to battle to get, actually get your points for that tournament again. Rather than just turning up and getting your points as a as a reigning champion, it'd be quite interesting to have a look at all of these different sports and how the ranking system works and things like that. Because I think snooker's changed like, a lot over the years, and that was a, a little bit of a, a shock once upon a time. But I think it's you know the, these lads have got to travel all over the world now and get those points up, and it's really nice to see new lads on the screen this year. And
1: or them or numdies. <laughs> <laughs> in Roddy's case, I they're all rubbish till the next time till number 22 watch what you're doing hope everybody enjoys the show we'll stick a link on for anybody who wants to make a donation to these booths the event take care
0: everybody thanks very much thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show this has been a dodgy production